You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are talking about dogs with anxiety and what you can do about it. So if you're sitting home and you have a dog that's nervously scratching or every time you start picking up your purse or your gym bag, the dog is shaking already. This is all about your dog. So so there's a few things I want to highlight about anxiety, and I actually took notes so I wouldn't forget anything, so ignore my clicking. Um, but there are a few reasons why people run into issues with anxiety when it comes to a dog they raised themselves rather than a dog they inherited. It's not that a dog you inherit is harder to fix than a dog that grew up building this behavior. It's just where you're starting from is different. Um, so let's assume that as long as you've had this dog, you've had this problem. And it, it I'm going to assume that the dog is not a puppy. Most anxiety, while it can develop that early, doesn't really kick into high gear where owners notice it until they're like, over the six month mark, closer to a year is usually because that's when you're past the point where you're like, okay, so this is developmental. Okay. This is a puppy stage. Now you're, you're at a year and you're going, okay, well, he's probably out of the puppy stage for the most part. What if this is something else? Um, so there are a few things that you can do to first of all, and, and this goes across the board, it's not just for separation anxiety cases, it's not just for dogs that have anxiety around other dogs um, or have triggers within the house. This is kind of just across the board. I like to recommend a dog appeasing pheromone diffuser. Okay, so I sl- I'm going to say that again. Dog appeasing pheromone diffuser. <laughs> And I'm going to include a link in the show notes. I love these. Um, I had one when I was training. I thought they were the best kept secret. And I used to, in heavy, heavy anxiety cases, I would uh, recommend their owners use them when when I sent the dog home. In most cases, they didn't need it. Um... But I would still recommend it because even if your dog doesn't have a ton of anxiety, it's nice to have. It kind of chills them out and takes all of the noise that's going on in their mind and starts calming it down and tuning it out. It doesn't have um, any effects where they're going to be fatigued, so it's not going to tire them out, but it will definitely help them relax and find the environment to be more peaceful. So why does this pheromone work? Well, I'm going to explain it a little bit to you. So this is the same pheromone that's released when mom is nursing the puppies. Um, And it's a natural stress-reducing hormone. It's extremely uh, effective in my experience. 
a few of the things that it can help with if your dog's an obsessive chewer, um, if you're seeing anxiety-based behaviors like whining, scratching, whimpering, uh, urination in the crate, defecation in the crate, fear, things like that. Um, these diffusers can be really effective in mitigating some of those symptoms. Now, I'll qualify this by saying it's not a cure-all. It's not a pill. Um you really will need to discover what is causing the anxiety because I'm of the, of the belief system that sooner or later time's going to creep up on you and no matter how many band-aids you put on that wound, it's still going to be there. Um, and with that in mind, I would use this in conjunction with training. Once I figured out what was triggering my dog, then I would go about trying to address that as well. So when it comes to using the, the pheromone, you can plug it into the wall, just like I said, super easy. You can order it online. There's a lot of different companies. I like Adaptil. So it's A-D-A-P-T-I-L, and I'll include the link, like I said. Okay, so now let's talk about um, some other forms of anxiety that you still will need to be addressing. Uh, the first is storm anxiety. So if you have a dog that's struggling because they can feel a storm coming in, I feel for you. I raised a dog that had this issue. No matter what I did, it felt like until I came up with some ingenuitive ways of addressing this, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't a trainer at the time. It was a, I was young. The dog was young. It was all we were all green. So you may have heard of Thunder Shirts and... While I'm not here to say that they don't work, I'm going to tell you that a tighter-fitting dog shirt will work just as effectively. I know this because I've tested it, and uh, while it's no more than anecdotal evidence, um, I've passed this piece of evidence <laughs> along to clients over the years and saved them quite a bit of money um, because if they, I tell them if they just order one size too small for their dog, it'll give that same tight, um, wrapped feeling of security. So if your dog is going to benefit from that feeling, they're going to get it, even if it's from a shirt versus the Thunder shirt. And I have nothing against Thunder shirts, by the way. If you have one, great. I'm just saying if you need to save a little money, this will also work if your dog is a candidate for one in the first place. Um, the other thing is a lot of the reason your dog is responding to the storm, it's, it's not really noise related in large part. It does affect them. Um, but there's vibrations that they pick up. They feel that, um, they also sense the pressure change in the air and that can actually affect their mood. Um, much like us seasons can affect us. Dogs get affected by everything in an environment. It's just how flexible is your dog and how much does this bother your individual dog? Um, so with all of that in mind, when my dog would start getting nervous, I, for some reason, his crate really wasn't making him feel comfortable. So I made a bed in his, in my closet and, you know, some, I put in a shirt that smelled like me. I put in his favorite toys. I put in a nice fluffy blanket and um, a little dog bed. And every 
time he would get nervous. In the very beginning, he didn't even know it was there. So I would go and put him in there. Um, and I wouldn't close him in there. I left the door open so he could walk out if he wanted to. But I left the light out. And there was enough room where he could easily go move around and he could come in and out if he wanted to. But he wasn't subjected to a whole big open room and in the house. Now, when you think of the world from a dog's perspective, it's so much bigger than they are. So what's a 12 by 15 space for you is a football field for a small dog. So by creating a smaller space that was quiet, that was dark, that was contained where he wasn't actually forced to be, but he had the option to be. And then there were like these little kind of creature comforts that really calmed him down. And within a week, he would start running whenever we had a lot of storms. Um, you know, he would start running to his dog bed every time there was a storm. And I would always praise him and encourage him. Um, you can hide treats and things in there. If you have other dogs, they're going to hunt for that stuff too. So it depends on what your family situation at home is like. But if it's just the one dog, you know, you can leave some treats in there to encourage them. I really don't want you to close the door on the dog. It's not about containing the dog. It's about giving them an outlet, a calm place to be. And that's it where they choose and when they choose to be there. It's great also when you're having holiday guests. I also made this suggestion to a client. Um, her dog was just not used to large groups. They were going to have like 30 people in the house over the weekend. It was going to be a lot for the dog to deal with. And, you know, they had realized the year before when they had everybody over, just putting them in their room wasn't cutting it. Something about the echoes or something was probably affecting the dog. So they tried this and it worked beautifully. You can also um, look into a sound soother. Now, I use a human sound soother. So um, mine's kind of fancy. It does vibrations and, um, you know, has like lights and it's, it's a therapeutic machine for people. And um, you can turn off the lights and whatnot. But any sound soother will do. I just noticed, you know, white noise, um, the sound of water running, like a, like rain for some dogs is very soothing. For others, the sound of the ocean is very soothing. Um, your dog, it'll depend on your individual dog. I like the human sound soothers for that reason because I can kind of click through and pick one. A lot of phones now have apps where you can do sound soothers, but if you're taking your phone with you for the day, that's not going to do you a lot of good. If you have a setup at home where you could, you know, set up an app and play it on, you know, one of your devices in your absence, that would be an option. Um, <laughs> I have never tried this, but a listener sent this into me. And so I'm just going to throw this out there. I have no idea if this would work. It worked for her dog. So I'm going to mention it. Dog TV. Uh, it's got kind of sounds and images for a lot like children's television. Um, it has sounds and images for dogs and is supposed to help decrease their anxiety. I have no evidence on that. Um, but because a listener sent it in, I, I definitely wanted to throw it out there. Um, I want to address what could be causing your dog's anxiety for a second. So before we jump into 
more solutions on how you can address anxiety. Um, let's talk about what you need to make sure you're doing. And you're going to hear me talk about this a lot. If you've been listening to my shows, you've heard me say this already. And I apologize for those of you who have. Um, but we need to take a look at your diet and exercise regime. So I actually think that this is probably the most important thing to look at in any of my episodes. You know, when I'm giving you training tips, I'm making the assumption at this point, if you've heard my show before, that you know how important diet and exercise are to your dog. Why? Because diet's a big part of how they value things. And exercise is the stress level of your dog. And it really can be that simple. Um, There are so many dogs that get labeled as anxiety cases that really aren't. They're either eating the wrong food and not getting exercised enough, or they're or one or the other. I mean, sometimes just one or the other. If they're on the right food and not getting enough exercise, they will emotionally implode. And if they have the right diet or have the wrong diet and all the exercise, they're going to be fatigued. You're not going to get the best out of their mind. Sometimes they're going to have like needless anxiety. They don't have anywhere to express it, even though you're, you know, you're exercising them. So these are things to consider. Uh, So as far as what that needs to look like, on average, your dog needs a daily walk. In fact, I have a challenge for you. Take a walk with your dog every single day this week. For some of you, this will be like completely normal. No big deal. Uh, but if you find yourself struggling to fit the walk in about halfway through the week, that may be why your dog has an underlying string of anxiety issues. Um, the consistency of exercise is really, really crucial here. If you pick and choose how often you walk your dog, they, over time, will just kind of, the anxiety builds on itself. There's nowhere for it to go, you know? And then we often discipline them for like bombing around the house and jumping up on furniture because if you have a big dog like I do, it's destructive. (laughs) So, you know, for all of those reasons, we need to make sure we're doing our part to make sure they go out as much as they need to. Um, In my case, I have a Newfoundland and I absolutely love and adore this dog. He needs to go out every two hours and he's unique. Um, he has a urinary issue I've mentioned about on the show before. And for that reason, he can't hold it more, you know, any longer than two hours that we have ever been able to clock. So despite all the proper training and there not being an underlying issue of anxiety, we have to have that schedule. Now, Generally speaking, once you get to a year, your dog should be able to hold it through the night, no issue, on a car ride, no issue, uh, throughout the day, maybe one out throughout the day if if they're lucky. I would hope that they have um, access to relieve themselves throughout the day. I know a lot of people can't do that. Um, And some dogs, my dog, you know, I was a college student when I got one of my dogs, and you know, he managed, I couldn't let him out halfway through the day. I I didn't have the ability with my classes. So, you know, I know dogs can hold it all day long. Um, my situation's a little atypical. My other dog is fully house trained, you know, no issue, doesn't have any messes. Uh, and both of them, 
in this case, uh, you know, signal at the door. So you know it's not a training problem. There's a medical issue um, in in the case of the one younger dog. But I kind of got off tap- topic, so let's back up. Um, so exercising your dog every day this week, if it's a challenge for you, it's something you need to force yourself to do. You need to make sure that even if you have a chihuahua at home, they're getting even a short walk every day. And you'll notice that your energy will start increasing, and so you'll want to walk longer with your dog. And you kind of temper this based on the age of the dog and the size of the dog and the breed of the dog. You know, if you have a Australian Shepherd, I hope you have a treadmill, <laughs> um, which is actually one of my tips. Uh, but before we get there, you know, you need to work with the breeds you have. Um, I don't believe in making a mountain out of a molehill, but I do believe in accepting who you have at home. Uh, I'm not tolerant of all behaviors, but instinctual things are what they are. And if you have a working breed, guess what? They need to work. And, you know, we can do that with mental stimulation. We can do that with outside stimulation. We can do that in a lot of different cohesive ways that are constructive for the dog, but left to their own devices, they're more likely to have anxiety-based behaviors. Um, or sometimes you see aggression. It depends on the dog and their, you know, their personality type, what they've experienced. Um, I'm not going to get into the nature versus nurture argument, but more to the point when, you know, you get off of a schedule, a regime with your dog, they lose faith in that process and that causes some anxiety. Um, you know, if you, if someone came home with a donut every day and then on day eight, they brought no donut, you'd be like, where's the donut? (laughs) So I'm really setting this challenge up to benefit both of you because it's going to be healthy for you. Your dog really needs this. Um, and if you're like, well, my dog doesn't like other dogs that needs to be addressed too. (laughs) Um, I have seen way too many unsocialized dogs lately. And I mean, they could be right in your neighborhood. And part of the issue is exposure. Does this mean your dog has to meet every dog in the neighborhood? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that they should be able to pass safely, uh, without it being a whole production. So keep all that in mind. Um, And then when I'm talking about diet, I'm not talking about you have to get the finest food on the market. I purposely don't recommend specific brands very often um, or at all, really, unless you ask me privately because I don't make any money off of them. Um, However, I will say it is the basis of how your dog is going to function through the day. Um, If you have a really high crude protein level, and your dog is living a sedentary life, you're creating problems. Uh, Your crude protein level on an adult dog should never be above 23% in my view. I think it should be closer to like 18, 19, somewhere in there, unless you have a a really uh, busy dog and they tend to not keep well, as we'd say in the horse business. So if they lose weight really easily, you might want something with a heavier protein level. But protein alone is not what puts weight on your dog. Fillers do that. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of foods out there that you can get at, say, the grocery store that you should never be putting in your basket. Um, And so your first deterrent should be what the crude protein level is. Then second deterrent should be 
what's the first protein? You know, what are the first three ingredients listed? Is it chicken meal? Is it pork meal? What What's in there? I try and avoid pork at all costs because it's very difficult to regulate unless it's fully cooked. Um, and, you know, dogs can get worms. And so I just stay away from anything with pork products in it whenever possible. Um, so kind of hunt around. There are a lot of great boutique pet stores now out in your area. You might have like a Hollywood feed or we have a Jake's Pet Supply here, which is phenomenal. I highly recommend if you're in the Wellington, uh, Lake Worth area that you check out Jake's Pet Supply. I love them over there. You know, ask the right questions. Be like, okay, this is the dog I have. This is kind of the lifestyle we have. What are some good foods? And see what they offer. I don't do this at any pet store. I go to specialty pet stores because they're, they usually, when they're ordering things, they usually are a little bit more knowledgeable. I'm making a generalization there, but in my experience, it's it's been true. I know Hollywood Feed spends a lot of money every year to invest in their pl- employees' education. So in that way, I'm really supportive of their company. In when it comes to Jake's Pet Supply, I've met their employees and they all know a lot about the food that is being sold in that store. In fact, they know a lot about a lot of the products that are sold there. So if you need any help, go to maybe somewhere that's a little bit higher end, even if it's just to gather your information. And then make sure that you're not feeding your dog meal forms of protein. Why is this? Because it's not chicken breasts. It's like beaks, feet, parts. It's just not the sort of thing that you're envisioning your dog is eating. And while it looks like food and it looks like any other kibble, it's just not benefiting your dog. You know, the wrong diet will cause problems down the road. Okay. In terms of something that's really important to address when dealing with anxiety, you want to put your exercise schedule with your dog in check. For those of you who are sitting there wringing their hands and rubbing their head and going, no, I don't want to take a walk in the rain every single day. I live in Seattle and no. Okay. I do have a solution for you. I kind of touched on it a little bit. Treadmill. Okay. Now I love treadmills for dogs. They actually make dog treadmills. A lot of show breeders use them. Um, We'll even travel with them. However, I will caution you on using them. Length of time matters. Stride of dog matters. Um, You don't want to have them on an incline if you can avoid it. I I try and keep them on the flat. Um, And you do not want to overwork them. So the length of a walk is pretty much sufficient. Um, You know, if you have a border collie at home or an Aussie at home and you're like, this is the answer to my prayers, you're right. (laughs) Because if you have a dog that likes to run, um, a really fast paced, kind of like almost like a trot, you know, really determined walk, but not quite running is a good speed to have your dog run out their energy because it focuses their mind. It gives them an outlet for their bodies and you get that much needed exercise kind of cleared off your schedule. Now, I don't 
believe in doing this in lieu of walking your dog outside. You need to do both because there's sensory overload that your dog needs to experience and social aspects that are important by just being out and about. But this is a great stand-in. <laughs> um, I have done this. I had a dog that needed this. And so I recommend this. And it does take some training to get them used to getting comfortable walking on the conveyor belt and not hopping off. But I use lots of treats and just start real slow and get them moving forward. I don't tether them to the treadmill. Very important. If your dog gets the hang of this, you won't need to, by the way. Um, in fact, you can usually, and what I would do, cause I was paranoid, I would hold the dog's leash and just stand next to the tre treadmill and, um, let him run that way just cause I, I had surgery, so I couldn't run the dog. Um, but you know, if you're able-bodied, go out there, have a run with your dog. Otherwise a treadmill is a good second option just to make sure that they're still getting, their physical needs met. You don't want to have to get rid of your dog um, when it's an exercise issue, which a lot of anxiety issues start as exercise problems, lack of exercise. Um, so for you couch potatoes out there, I have you covered. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, and this is for anybody who, uh, who has a dog, and maybe you're living alone and you're not, there isn't anybody to point this out to you. Are you nervous? <laughs> if you're nervous, your dog could be responding to your energy. Um, my dogs do this. I know I do this. If I see that they're distressed, I will respond in kind or until I, you know, kind of refocus myself. So it, I, I happen to be just like anybody else in that despite the fact I know what to do, sometimes my timing with that is a little off because I get stuck in my own headspace. Um, but here's why this is important to talk about. So you are their family member, their pack mate, and they aren't really independent natured. They become dependent on us. And so if they see that we're going through a difficult time or we come home super stressed, that will affect their behavior. And if it happens a lot, it can affect their behavior permanently. Um, sometimes dogs will take a proactive approach and they'll try comforting the owner. And it's almost, um, while it's them trying to comfort the owner, it's also them trying to end the suffering within the pack. It's, it's, a greedy slash selfless endeavor. Um, and it's greedy in that they want the suffering to stop so that they can calm down. And it's selfless in that, you know, obviously we desperately need that support. And it's really nice to have Fido right there to, to give you the cuddle that you've been waiting for all day. Um, but do keep your emotions kind of in the forefront of your mind if you're dealing with a dog on a daily basis where you're doing the exercise that you need to be, their dog's on a good diet, your daily interactions are good, but something is still off, it could be this. Um, I had a client and it, it didn't really occur to her that her dog was feeding off of her energy. So every time she would get nervous about leaving the house, the dog was getting nervous about her leaving the house. And so we started making like little baby outings for the two of them. And so it helped ease their anxiety. And over time, those events became less chaotic 
and more palatable for both of them. And when the dog saw that she was in control and calm, the dog calmed down. So it can, you know, one emotion from one end of the leash will feed to the other. And I think it works from dog to human and human to dog. Some people will say it's just your emotions feeding to the dog. I don't think so. Because some of us are really connected with our pets. And if our dogs are in a bad mood and don't want anything to do with us or um, perhaps are in pain, we feel for them. So for that reason, I don't think it's a one-way street. I think we can feel both ways. Um, The other thing is, is that when you aren't addressing uh, what's stressing you out and you're rushing through things when you get home, that can really impact a dog's first impression of you. Let's look at it through a different lens for a second. So dog hasn't seen you all day. And now first thing that they see is you, but you're, you've had a really bad day. You're not in the mood. You're telling them, go lay down, go away. They're underfoot. I can play this situation for you a million times. And half of you have probably experienced this where you just want the dog to get out from underfoot and leave you alone and give you space. So we need to keep our demeanor in check in that if we had just sat down, taken a deep breath, had a glass of water, we probably wouldn't have been as abrasive um, and caused so much unrest within the dog. So I bring that up because I know myself when I was younger, I didn't, I wasn't very mindful of how I came home. Not that I came home like a raging lunatic or anything, but I just, you know, I'd drop my school bag and if I had had a bad day, I'd kind of shuffle through and it just, I was sending kind of a crappy message first thing home. Like, instead of saying hi to my dog, I was like, you know. So something to keep in mind. And over time, you'll see if that was something that was inflammatory or affecting them, it will change. If you keep you in check, it will keep them in check. Um, And the other thing that this kind of leads into is projecting intention. So if you want your dog to be calm, you have to be calm. I know that every owner who has an aggressive dog at home has struggled with this. Anxiety cases will struggle with this too because you really don't necessarily see your dog in a way where they've made a recovery and they can be calm. It's it's really not an impossible achievement. I, I think the way you're going about it may need to shift a little bit. Um, you know, instead of rushing through a walk, much like coming home and sitting down, having a glass of water and taking a deep breath, if your dog causes a lot of drama on a walk, slow down the walk, put him in a sit, then have him stay, let them decompress. And then if they start pulling right back in the house, and then you go and you try again and you break it down into steps. Maybe you take grandma steps. So you're barely moving out to your front lawn on this walk. It's about breaking it down until you figure out where the holes are. Is it only when your dog sees a bird that you lose control? Is it as soon as they hear a car that they duck and run? You know, what is it that triggers them that you have to address? And those triggers you'll have to address one at a time. You know, you can't take the world on in a giant chunk because they're going to get so overwhelmed they're going to shut down on you or react. And, you know, it's that fight or flight instinct. Which um, is my next uh, little piece of advice. Dogs do get claustrophobic. 
I never really talk about this. I've seen it, and it doesn't just happen with large dogs. I've seen it happen with even small dogs. Um, and you're probably thinking, well, why would I want a crate for the dog then? Well, okay, back up. Crates, when used properly and exposed to a dog in a positive way, become no different than a bedroom. Uh, but there are dogs that, you know, they don't do well. They're, they anticipate the laundry room, the crate. They don't like being behind baby gates or in restricted spaces. They just don't do well in small spaces. Now, much like people, like not all of us like being in small rooms. I am one of those people, by the way. Uh, you know, so for those, for those dogs, I try to restrict them as little as possible. I try and make sure, and in 90% of those cases where you're seeing that anxiety, it's almost always rooted in exercise, lacking the exercise that they truly need. They're not getting what they need out of their daily routine. And so they just have like this uncontrollable wave of anxiety and it kind of lasts them throughout the day and, and drags them down. And sometimes dogs that are claustrophobic will become destructive in their crates. Um, they'll start chewing at walls, things like that. Um, it's not that they're destructive for the sake of being destructive. They're trying to get out. So you'll see it like at the, the bottom of the door where they could have ex had an exit. Um, sometimes you'll see it, you know, at a fence line and dogs who are claustrophobic are the types of, I've seen it mostly in Huskies. Um, those are the types of dogs that need a lot of different environments. So a walk in and of itself isn't going to cut it. You need to go to different parks, different neighborhoods, different streets. Variety is the only way you're going to keep this dog mentally sane. That and training uh, because they need a lot of mental stimulation. So, um, And then the last thing I want to talk about um, that can really help with dog's anxiety is working on their impulsivity. So if your dog is impulsive, start slowing down your training sessions, draw them out a little longer. So normally I'm telling you, you know, 10, 15 minute sessions are pretty, pretty long. I mean, or well, they're long enough, um, to get the point across on new, new behaviors. I would on a dog that's super impulsive work for 30 minutes and I would only work on like two behaviors and I wouldn't intentionally be making it boring, but I would really be working on duration of behavior. So like a long downstay. And if your dog is not great at a downstay, for example, I, uh, Baldor has str struggled with this for a long time. So I first get them into the down. So make sure that you've got a solid down. And then I would feed them. Initially, I would feed them out of my hand, multiple treats to keep them in the down position from popping up. Then I started keeping my hand closed and just holding it there a little longer. And then I would open it a little bit, let them start feeding then. So now I've added a five second delay before they get what's in my hand and get to pop up. So then I would just keep my hand closed in that down position longer. And this is for the dog that you could just, no matter what you did, just would not stand still. Um, or I mean, lay still, this was my dog. So it, we had to do this in really, really small increments for a lot of dogs, just doing this for a week, you you'll have fixed the problem. Um, but you know, given an, a little bit more time when your dog starts realizing they're not going to get the, the treat, the second they lay down, they will actually wait 
And then you can release the tree to them. And this starts teaching them that they don't get things just because they want them and they think that they're done. Um, which is a really good message to send to your dog because how many times are you going to have a treat ready? Uh, not always. I mean, if you're like me, I don't carry around treats. In fact, my dogs do, I would say, almost all of their, I would say they do all of their behaviors without treats. Um, I give them treats now on special occasions. <laughs> so uh, to each their own. I mean, some owners don't mind giving treats for every behavior. That's fine with me. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't mean your dog knows the behavior less because you use treats every time and reward it. It doesn't. It just means you reward a lot. No big deal. Um, as far as, you know, when I talk about duration, you know, it doesn't have to be a different behavior. It could be just a sit for instead of 10 seconds, 40 seconds. And again, working on that impulsive behavior, if they pop out, now you make it 50 seconds. And once they make that 50 seconds, they're done. I wouldn't do any other behaviors because that you, you know, little battles, once you win them, I like to end. I don't like to keep pushing my luck because then you're going to run into more battles and it's not worth it. It's better to end on a positive note where they know they've learned something. They feel good about themselves. They've improved. They've walked in the right direction. They've kept the heel. They've held the sit. Whatever you're looking for, they gave it to you. Settle there and then build from there the next time. Um, if you have any questions, please email me at dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. If you love the show, please recommend it to a friend or you can rate us wherever you're listening to us. Also, if you would like to support us, you can donate at paypal.me slash yourdogguru. And we did do a guest spot on Trivia Geeks, so stay tuned because on blazingcariboustudios.com, that will be airing sometime in the near future. Very exciting. I love that show. It's so much fun being on there. There's a great group of people. So if you are kind of into the game show vibe, then give that a listen. I will post a link in the show notes uh, in whatever episode is closest aired to mine. Once again, thank you for listening, everybody. I'm so glad that you do. That's it for me today. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.